Welcome to the Strange Harbors Podcast, a weekly discussion of film, television, and pop culture. My name is Jeff Zhang, and tonight I'm joined by... Amir Chavang. And Derek Wong. This evening, we're discussing the new Disney Plus series, WandaVision, the first of the new Marvel Cinematic Universe slate on the streaming service. Uh, we haven't had any new Marvel Cinematic Universe content for over a year. Can you guys believe that? This is the first of the new slate of stuff coming out, and we've been waiting, right? The respite is over. (laughs) (laughs) So this is the new slate of, uh, shows on Disney Plus. They're not movies or films. They're, uh, they're television shows that explicitly take place within the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Obviously, since this one, uh, features the scarlet witch and vision but this is different from the netflix stuff because i feel like the netflix shows have always been like kind of on the outside the periphery of the mcu you know yeah definitely redheaded stepchildren they say they take place in the same universe but like they never acknowledge them in the movies and you know it's it's uh it's always been a tough go for them and this is also agents of shield right yeah agents of shield And I think the biggest difference between this show and those shows, you know, the Netflix and the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and I guess even Inhumans, if you want to count that, uh, was that, you know, they were led by Jeff Loeb, right, Mm -hmm. on the TV side. But now we have basically Kevin Feige, who's been leading the movies the last 10 years, taking, I guess, the company, you know, Marvel Studios in a, I guess, new direction and and going into the foray of TV. Yeah, so... WandaVision premiered last Friday, and it premiered with a two-episode back-to-back premiere, and they're pretty short. They're like 20 to 25 minutes, um, which I found very, very refreshing. I, all in all, I, I love this. I thought it was great. I thought it was a lot of fun. I thought it was inventive. I thought it was like tapping into some unspoken potential for the Marvel Cinematic Universe to do something a little different. I mean, like for everyone who's complaining about Marvel, like doing like assembly line superhero stuff that are all the same cookie cutter stuff. Like this is something different. And I I really appreciate that. You know, I don't know. What about, what about you guys? What did you guys think? Uh, I I will echo those sentiments. I absolutely love these first two episodes. I think it is a, you know, breath of fresh air to kind of get this interesting take on TV. You know, this, kind of looking back at the history of like sitcoms in a way, right? Each episode moving into a different era. Yeah, it's not something you would expect at all. And I, I, I think it's really cool. I, th- I thought it was really, really, really fun. Really fun. Yeah, really fun conceit for the first two episodes. And, you know, I, I you know, we, I've seen trailers, I've seen promos. I think, you know, it, it moves further along and kind of goes through different, you know, decades. My guess is that by the end of the season, it won't be that. But 
I think it's going to be fun to kind of move through the different eras and, and just the different types of sitcoms, especially um, some of the ones I remember watching as a kid. You know, I'm looking forward to when they kind of get to the Brady Bunch of it all or, um, you know, uh, some of those like 90s sitcoms, you know, like the Roseannes and the, the Fresh Prince, you know, like I'm interested to see what they do with those because I am a little bit more familiar with those. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm glad to hear that they're planning on changing things up a little bit because as much as I get points for not being like offensively dumb or the same as everything that Marvel does, so far it's mostly just like a pretty good like, I Dream of Genie, I Love Lucy pastiche, which is, like, fine, but not something I would normally spend, like, 20 minutes a week watching or whatever. Like, if I want those sitcoms, they already exist. So, like, yeah. my main beef with the show so far is they haven't done enough of, like, the weirdness. They haven't done enough of the Marvel Universe bleeding into the weird, like, little sitcom thing they're doing. And I really wanted some more of that, because, like, right now all you're getting is, like, basically just, like, oh, like, a Marvel spin on a 1950s sitcom with, like, the, the, the barest occasional hint of something weirder going on on the surface. And I wanted something kind of weirder from the jump. Like, these didn't compel me to say, hey, I gotta see 3 and 4. But hearing that 3 and 4 are different makes me want to see 3 and 4, if that makes sense. I agree with that. I mean, like, let's, let's talk about that for a second, because when this, when this was first screened for critics... A lot of the early reviews were like, oh, this is like Lynchian and surreal, and it's not really, right? It's uh, not, 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 not yet. Not, it's not, it, not at all. It's inventive, it's creative, it's fun, but it's not avant-garde in like any capacity, right? It's, it's just, well, it's just creative. very, very it's not, straight, right? Yeah, it's not like absurdist or anything. So like clearly uh, Wanda and Vision, they're stuck in some sort of simulation or something and like nothing is what it seems but there's no question about like what's actually going on right like i mean we don't know the specifics but like it's not some like twins peak type stuff right it's not it's not lynchian in the in the slightest i don't think no and and i I feel like i mean this is unfair because it's completely different mediums but if i was 40 minutes into a movie that someone told me was like lynching what weird and surreal and hadn't done anything yet with that in 40 minutes, I would turn it off. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, I'm kind of, like, waiting for, like, okay, where's the weird stuff start? This is what I thought would be cool, is seeing, you know, the contrast between the playing it straight 1950s stuff and the weirdness creeping in around the edges. And they didn't do that. Like, they did, instead of the weirdness, they had, like, the, oh, Visions of Robot stuff, which is, like, okay, cool, like, we're doing, like, a, a sitcom pastiche that's fine, but it didn't go the places that like, I anticipated it to. But but yeah, I I, I understand. Yet. Yeah. Yet. Maybe, maybe it will. We'll see. It, it felt slight. It felt, you know, well-made, like, fine, but very slight. Very, you know, uh, not, not much substance to it. I don't I saw it very differently because I'm so used to, like, what the MCU is. So to be thrown into a 50s sitcom was so refreshing and so different. And that's where the strange was, right? It adhered to that sitcom so hard in that first episode that I didn't know what to expect. I I thought maybe it would break more. I thought it would quickly like give that up, but it doesn't. It's it, it in itself is a contained episode of a sitcom of a 50 sitcom, much like, you know, like the Dick Van Dyke show that, that's what took me by surprise, and that's what was so pleasant about it, right? That it, it stuck to its guns 
for that very first episode. And I think the second episode starts to break a little bit more, especially near the end. Mm-hmm. But I honestly, I really like that first episode. And I really commend it for just like, you know, up until I guess that very, very last, you know, 10 seconds of the, the episode. Yeah. It really doesn't break, right? I'm totally with you, Derek. I, I agree. I think, I think the, the rub is that your mileage is going to vary depending on how much you're into like these classic sitcoms. So like, if you're not really into this, but I can see you going like, oh, come on, let's get to the point already. Right. But like, if you mm-hmm. grew up watching like these reruns and like growing up with these sitcoms, and if you're a fan of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, this is, this is pretty cool. I mean, I, I really liked it. I mean, there are a lot of like little Easter eggs here and there for the MCU. And, um, oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, I understand if people are a little thrown by like the lack of forward momentum in these. I mean, let me ask you like, what if this was one forty-minute episode? Would you be a little more forgiving? Ooh, very good question. Okay, actually, let me. Oh, well, sorry. Before you answer that, Amir, did you think this was the same era in the first two episodes? I did because I know if they're both black and white, and it becomes like really easy to think that they are. But if you actually watch it very closely, they are from two different eras of TV, right? Mm. One is based off the 50s, and the, actually the second episode is more closely tied to the 60s more era 60s. of TV. Yeah. You could tell this because the house changes, right? The inside of the house changes. Like, even though it's black and white, like, the layout of the living room yeah, is different. different. Yeah. There's an actual, like, set of stairs that you could see now when you couldn't see that in the first episode. There is no pass-through in the kitchen like there was in the first episode. So, like, I know it's it can kind of get confusing, but that divide... I think comes early in the very first episode when, you know, she puts the two beds together, right? Mm-hmm. Because that represents a shift in like TV history, right? Where sitcoms before, like I Love Lucy, you know, Ricardo and Lucy slept in different beds. Right. But then once you got into a show like Bewitched in the 60s, they slept in the same bed, right? So like that was that shift that we saw in this show um, between like a 50s and then 60s era of TV. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't know, for me, if, like, if I'm answering that question, like, this wouldn't work, right? Like, as a as a 40-minute episode, because, like, I think the episodes divide it by era, right? Especially with the opening credits, yeah, right? Where they specifically have, like, one that's modeled after the Dick Van Dyke show, and then the second one's modeled after Bewitched. Yeah. Sorry, not to take away from that, but, like, what, so what, how would you answer that? Uh, I would change my answer to yours. That was a pretty good answer. <laughs> 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 yeah, I mean, I think... I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that changing, like, dividing it up would, or, or, or putting them together would change it so much for me. I think it's more just, I wanted a little more from them than, like, sitcom, oh, God, I keep saying this thing, word, but sitcom pastiche episode. Like, you know, I, I wanted a little more from it than that. And so, like, it's it's well done. Like, I'm not saying it's not well done. It's, it's a very good send-up. It's a very good homage to those things. And uh, it's obviously done with care and love for, like, the source material. But, I don't know, I'm not as impressed by the fact that they're just doing something different, even though it's good. I think that's, I think that's yeah, where the difference lies, right? I think, I agree with you. If this keeps happening until episode, like, seven or eight, I'd probably get pretty tired of it, right? Or even, like, five or six, I get pretty tired of it. But I think because I know that this is... And I'm not too sure if it's going to change, like how much it's going to change, right? Like I, I, I don't know. I haven't seen any episodes beyond this, but like my hopes is that it will. But I think I enjoyed being in these first two episodes, really kind of strictly 
staying within that kind of sitcom realm that I'm okay with these first two episodes being the way they are and not looking for much more than that, I guess, for now. But I, I guess that's where the difference lies, Amir, right? You were looking for something to kind of draw you in, right? And draw you into maybe that mystery that I think the show is trying to set up. Yeah, I wanted to see some of the underlying weirdness or that, or that promise at least be fulfilled a little bit or, or, or teased somewhat. They, they do very, very little to make you go, wow, there's something weird going on here. They, mo- they play it mostly very, very you know, close to the chest in that regard. I do think the very little that they do is very, very effective. I think the use of color with the black and white is very, very, very cool. Yeah, and you get some like really creepy horror elements in this too. Yeah, the beekeeper coming out of that uh, manhole, super weird. The beekeeper and even Vision's like boss and his wife just like freaking out and breaking down over the dinner. That was really creepy and like he's choking and like uh, it's it's a creepy creepy moment and and like I gotta say like when Vision's boss comes and like Wanda has to prepare dinner, I felt those stakes more than like any. Ultron robot fight, you know. Um, I felt <laughs> yeah, those stakes. Yeah, yeah. I was I was more worried for them in that moment than like in a lot of these Marvel movies themselves, you know. Mm-hmm. And and I gotta say, like this sitcom thing fits these two characters perfectly. I don't think you could do it with any other character, right? And like, yeah, I think it it, it suits Wanda and uh envision perfectly and i think it's great i think a lot of it has to do with like me thinking of tom king's run on on the character in the comics i don't know if either of you've read that i I think i know the run you're talking about is where vision has has a little family yeah 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 yeah, yeah. there are a lot of callbacks to that too so i think they're pulling some elements from from that as well so it's pretty great and i do like that they kind of throw you into this without explaining anything they don't fill in the gaps of like what happened in the movies and then here because the last time we saw vision he was fucking dead right because dead um, yeah thanos was plucking that mind stone out of his dead hollow husk right and <laughs> and the last time we saw wanda uh was in endgame where she was giving thanos the beat down with her powers and and now they they don't say anything about that in the show in the show at least in these first two or three episodes you know and i like how they they just throw us in the deep end here, and uh, I, I kind of like that. That's 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 interesting. Makes you really wonder what's going on, you know? Well, no, I was just gonna say it's probably better they play it too slow than too fast. Like I'm glad they didn't just jump mm-hmm. immediately into like I don't know weird MCU like action stuff or whatever. Like that would that would have been pretty disappointing too. So it's probably better they played yeah. it too slow than too fast. I guess the two big questions for me are you know like what's going on here, and you know you could feel that it has something to do with Wanda, right? Like what's going on. In this whole TV universe seems to be tied to Wanda. But then the other question is like, how is Vision back? Or is he even back, right? Is right. he alive? Or is he just a figment of her imagination or some or something, right? Like like those are the two big mysteries I think that I want you know definitely solved by the end of this season. And I think it will be. Yeah. I, I wonder if they're just pushing Wanda to be more like her comics. Uh, yeah, the reality thing. Yeah, because yeah, like in the movies, she she just has like telepathic powers and like she can move things with her mind, her telekinesis. But in the comics, she's like super powerful. She she can like alter reality at her will. And like I think this series, like I read an interview with Kevin Feige, he was like saying that a lot of it was influenced by House of M. 
which is really, really interesting, right? And maybe that's what's going on because towards the end of the second episode, she finds out she's pregnant, right? So, so you, you, want, you want to do a little House of M like, rundown for people just because I feel like no one's going to know what that is. I mean, I guess the, the general gist is that she basically uses her powers to kind of almost recreate the world, right? Yeah. She says no more mutants, so she erases all mutants from from reality, right? So, yeah, so her powers are are much more potent and powerful in the comics than they are in the in the movies. And during that series, like, she has twins that are kind of, like, formulated from her powers. They're not, like, actual, like, she didn't birth them, right? And... Yeah, like, so that that's kind of, like, I think that where they're going to draw the inspiration from, like, why she has kids. She's pregnant by the end of episode two, and I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, she has twins in the show, right? I don't even want to get into fucking Wanda's kids in the comics, because that shit is a fucking mess. <laughs> they turn out to be, like, Mephisto's horcruxes or some shit like that. Oh, my God. That, that was a nice little weird touch in the show uh, of her, like, instantly becoming pregnant. Like, you just look down, and it's I, I like that. Yeah. I, I also found the episode runtimes to be... Quite refreshing. I, I said this before. The 20 minutes is nice, I think. Although it is super weird that they're like eight to nine minutes of credits on each episode. Yes, That's I... so weird. Yeah, what's going on with that? I, I have no idea. Because one's for the show, the actual the sitcom, right? And then the other is actually for WandaVision, the Disney Plus show. So that's right. Yeah, probably what it is. Yeah, there's there's a lot going on. It's it's. <laughs> It's quite quite weird. I mean, we also get some nice recurring characters from character actors that I really, really enjoy. Um, Catherine Hahn as Agnes is great. I love I love her. She seems to be a little more in tune with what's going on than everyone else around her, and we'll see what she has to do with like the whole sitcom thing or Wanda's powers or or whatever. But like there are a lot of cool characters too monica rambeau is in this Mm -hmm. who we last saw as a kid in the captain marvel movie she's uh she's geraldine in episode two right Mm -hmm. so a lot of little cameos and easter eggs here that oh oh did you not know that no i didn't realize that was was supposed to be here yeah because captain marvel takes place in 1995 i think and now this is obviously present day so not obviously present day i guess but yeah it's yeah, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Not obviously <laughs> the present day, yeah. I mean, it was really nice to see uh, Deborah Jo Roop, like, kind of be the, the Mrs. Hart character, and I'm really looking forward to maybe seeing if, when they get to the 70s era, if they kind of touch on, on her, you know, her success oh, yeah, as yeah, you know, yeah. part and of the, the 70s, 70s show. show. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. I I would be really interested in that. I uh, really enjoyed Emma Caulfield Ford, yeah, right, as Emma Dottie. Caulfield. Yeah. Like, Welcome back. Emma Caulfield. Welcome back, Anya, right? <laughs> uh, so, Anya like, from Buffy. I, I'm really interested. Yeah, I'm really interested to see, like, how this cast expands. Um, because I know that, you know, not to give too much away, and we might, maybe we'll have a little spoiler warning, but there are some other big cast members I think that are going to be coming to the show that will further tie back to the MCU. And that's when it'll hopefully help to start click. Yeah. Uh, some of these, these pieces. I want to talk a little bit about the Catherine Hahn character of Agnes. Mm-hmm. I don't know. How much do you guys want to go into speculation? and Speculate away. Yeah. Okay. I've like read up on this and like, and a lot of people, of course, and, and if you don't want to know anything about a potential spoiler for the show, then I guess turn away right now for a couple seconds or minutes. 
But uh, a lot of people think that Catherine Hahn's character of Agnes is actually Agatha Harkness, right? The the witch that is in the House of M series. That's kind of uh, Wanda's mentor in the comics. Mm. A lot of people think it's her because, you know, the Harkness character in the comics is very famous for having the brooch that she wears as part of her costume. And then every outfit that we see Catherine Hahn in, she has a brooch, right? Interesting. And also the fact that, I mean, Agnes, if you kind of shorten it, could be Agatha Harkness, right? Uh, people have noted that. But it's also just her dialogue, right? It's the fact that when she first meets Wanda, the first thing she says is, oh, I'm charmed. She seems to be clued in to more what's than up? any of the... Yeah, to really? more than anybody in the... Yeah, you know, in episode two, when she sees Wanda, like, it's very interesting how she says, like, oh, look, it's the star of the show. Like, she's she's keen on the idea that, you know, this world is revolving around Wanda. Also, I think a lot of other characters are, like, walking on eggshells, and she's not. She seems very comfortable yeah. in her surroundings. So, like, she definitely knows more than she lets on, and uh, I'm I'm curious to see... Where the character goes yeah the last bit like i noticed is like during the talent show in episode two when like vision first uses his powers everyone in the audience is kind of like freaking out like what's going on like and then once wanda like uses her powers to like put that rope there and everyone's like oh it's a rope you right. see Catherine hahn's character of agnes like put her bag down like as though she was ready to do something mm. Like, it's oh, all these little clues that make it seem like her character is more aware than anybody else in this town. Yeah. Well, that's a very close reading, close watching. <laughs> yes. Good so, work on picking that up, I guess. I did not see that. Anymore, yeah. So. But yeah, I, I, I'm really interested in her character. Like, I don't know if that's if that's true about her character, but it does seem like she is definitely someone to pay attention to, I think, as the series moves on. I think there's just a lot of moving parts, and, like, you just don't know how everything's going to figure in the end you know like sure maybe this is all part of wanda's like new powers and like how she's expanding as like a mute like well she's not a mutant in this right because they haven't had mutants in in the mcu yet but like as someone with superpowers you know but if that's the case then what's like sword doing in this right yeah because like they're monitoring the situation, it seems like. They're the ones who are, like, watching these sitcoms, you know? And if you guys don't know, S.W.O.R.D. was developed by Nick Fury to, like, combat alien threats, right? So, like, you know, like, it, it goes with, you know, S.W.O.R.D. and S.H.I.E.L.D., you know? It's kind of mm-hmm. ha-ha, funny little joke. And they definitely forced the, the acronym S.W.O.R.D. to make kind of zero sense because... What does it stand for? It stands for Sentient Weapon Observation Response Division. Like, what does that have to do with aliens? Nothing. But I mean, some people are speculating that it no longer has to deal with aliens. But then what? Maybe, what is but up they with... never did anything to begin with. So, like, you would think, like... Like, they're going to have to clarify this. Like, what is this now, right? Is is this just the new shield? Or is, is it, like, its comic counterpart where it deals more with space versus shield that deals more with, like, quote-unquote domestic yeah. issues on Earth? So, yeah, it, it, it's interesting to see what they'll do with it. But, I mean, there's sword Easter eggs, like, all over these t- first two episodes, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, You got uh, the big one, of course, coming at the end of the episode one, right? Where, like, 
So what was interesting about the episode is that at the very top of the episode, right, you know, as the, as the Marvel Studios like tag kind of rolls into that black and white, it shrinks into that 4-3 aspect ratio like like old TV shows. At the very end of the episode, it expands to that 16-9 and that kind of tells us, hey, we're back in the real world. We're back in in this colorized world where someone is observing Wanda and vision through a TV, right? They're actually watching the sitcom as it rolls out. Right. They have like a sword notebook. Yeah, they have a sword notebook. The sword symbols like all over the TV. So it's like, oh, well, if you know the comics, you know that sword is the one that's watching them. In the second episode, when Wanda grabs that that colorized helicopter. It has the sword logo on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then at the very end, the beekeeper guy on his back is the sword logo. Uh, on his outfit. So like, yeah, it's it's all over these first two episodes. And I mean, maybe that's kind of where the I don't know about you, Amir, like, that's where some of the intrigue came for me. It's like, okay, these real world MCU issues are now starting to leak into the show. Mm, yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe just not catching that little sword logo, maybe changed. Your, I don't know. I did like the beekeeper guy. He was actually some of the most effective stuff I thought. So it's cool to know he's directly touched. It's kind of giving us like mixed messages because like, Sword is like, they're like the good guys, right? Because, like, you know, Nick Fury founded it, and like, isn't he running it with uh, Talos from Captain Marvel, the Skrull? Because they were working together in Spider Man Far From Home, remember? With the, with the Skrulls at the end who were impersonating a Nick Fury and Nick Maria, Fury, and Maria yeah, Hill. And Maria Hill, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. They're, they're like the good guys, but then the Beekeeper outfit obviously is a shout out to AIM, right? Mm-hmm. Which is like uh, a supervillain organization in the comics, right? That's not the first time we've heard of AIM either, because AIM was the villain in uh, in Iron Man three. Killian's, Killian? yeah, Aldrich Killian's company, like I advanced idea mechanics or whatever. So who knows? You know, I mean, I guess for those people that don't know the comic book series or what the comic origins of Sword, yeah, it's it's. It, maybe it's meant to kind of throw you off. Like, are these good people, bad people? Especially at the end of episode two, it's very ominous, right? It's like very moody. And even Wanda kind of reacts and like breaks character and says like, no, right. And like she reverses time. Like it's a bad thing for her. So she mm-hmm. wants to get rid of it. But not to like, I mean, I think it's because we have a little bit more comic knowledge or like, you know, like Marvel knowledge that we know that sword typically is a good entity. Mm-hmm. And I think it is there to help her. Yeah. So what did you guys think about the use of color in these first two episodes, right? Because it does become... Pretty uh, effective. Yeah, I liked it. To be completely honest, the first time around, I didn't even catch the red light on the toaster. Oh, yeah, that stuck out to me. That stuck out to me. The red light in the in the commercial? Yeah. Yeah, I, I like, noticed it starts that. Yeah, to yeah. Blink. yeah I, di- I didn't even notice that. Like the Because fr- I've seen these episodes. I- I've watched both these episodes twice now. <laughs> like the, the first time around, the I didn't stark, even notice The Stark it. toaster, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that's actually a callback to Age of Ultron, back to Wanda's like origin story in Sokovia. Mm-hmm. Remember? Cause like yeah. she's like buried in the rubble and like there's like an undetonated Stark warhead and it's like beeping, right? And like, mm-hmm. so that's supposed to be a callback to that. Cause like she's like in the rubble and she's afraid the thing's going to blow up and kill our whole family, right? And the, the beeping is like the Iron Man 
armor sound so like it's it's interesting yeah. it's like a nice little callback to to that um and in the second episode we get a callback to another piece of her origin right with the strucker watch yeah the, with the hydra symbol yeah, right? yeah and yeah. it does seem like these commercials yeah the strucker thing was definitely yeah yeah definitely tied to her origin and i'm like i'm interested to see if like one of these maybe mentions pietro or quicksilver yeah mm, yeah It'd be kind of cool to see Aaron Taylor Johnson maybe come back for a cameo. I think that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Because uh, we haven't seen him since Age of Ultron. Yo, I got to ask you guys, what happened to Wanda's accent? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not just the show. Because it, it, it started disappearing in, like, I want to say War. Civil War. And then mm-hmm. by the time Infinity War and Endgame rolled about, it was completely it's gone. gone. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just movie making and like people just don't care anymore, right? I think Elizabeth Olsen was just like, I don't want to do this stupid fucking yeah. accent anymore. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, it makes perfect sense for the show, right? Because these are American sitcoms. Right. So yeah, she absolutely. should have an American accent. So absolutely. it makes perfect sense. Uh, but I can't explain what, why in the movies she just keeps losing her accent. <laughs> you can or you can't. I can't. <laughs> I think, like, the, the reason that people give is that, like, oh, you know, she's, like, on the run after Civil War. So, like, Natasha's, like, teaching her how to, like, blend in. And, like, you can't be running around with, like, a Sokovian accent, right? So, like, Natasha's, like, teaching her how to, like, blend in with an American accent or But, like, at least say something, you know? I don't know. I feel, I feel like you should at least, like, hang a lampshade on that and not just have it be such a, like jarring transition from having a heavy european accent to like no accent at all right well especially because the show even reminds us that she's from sokovia right right it does in that's the very true. first episode yeah yeah the sokovian hello or whatever yeah so like it's like well if you're foreign shouldn't you still have the accent but i mean i get it you know it's an american sitcom she has an american accent yeah so what what did you guys think of these like commercials like I, I kind of got vibes of, I mean, another show that we watched and we talked about, like Watchmen, right? Mm, just like media within media kind of stuff. Yeah. Know? And like the fact that it's it was it's the same two actors that are in the same two commercials mm-hmm. or in the commercials between both episodes. It reminds me of like the, the maid and the, I don't remember their names in the, in um, uh, Crookshanks and something. something. Yes. Yeah. 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 The ones with Jeremy Irons, uh, Ozymandias, like it, it reminded me of those, right? Those little side segments we get away from the main show that involve this just subset of characters. It'll be interesting to see if they, if it somehow melds into our, our sitcoms or if they're just going to be just used solely for like these quote unquote commercials. Yeah. Crookshanks and Mr. Phillips. That's what it was. Thank you. That's right. There you go. Good job. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about, I think Paul Bettany is great in these first he's two great. episodes. He's always been yeah. great. I've always yeah, liked he's always him as great. Vision. Yeah, but this yeah, this really lets him like cut loose like comedically and stuff. I, I I like I like his performance. They're both great. I mean, I think Vision himself is already kind of a funny character in the sense that he gets to play the straight man mm. that delivers the funny lines right, and I think you you guess definitely get to see that Paul Bettany has like that great comedic timing. Mm-hmm. When it comes to like delivering the vision lines, like in the movies, 
and but also then playing this kind of like sitcom husband right and w- which is very a lot more like actual like slapstick humor or actual like jokey humor and like mm-hmm. i think it's a really great showcase for paul Manning. i really loved it in the first two episodes yeah i thought it was great i thought it was like wanda's like oh you forgot to put on your face and then he does the mm-hmm. little magic thing where yeah, his robot yeah, yeah, face yeah. gets replaced it's, it's cute it's it's fun i like that a lot i mean it definitely wouldn't work if they weren't both like very charming and i think they, they are right so like it is it is, yeah. it is still like a very fun watch even from a level of just like oh they're doing a 1950s or 60s sitcom like even on that level it's a fun watch like the, the gags get laughs and like it all works um because uh, they sell it because they're, they're good so yeah yeah uh, i think they're both, both very good chemistry i think both very good in this i think a lot of the humor lands like you said i i kind of liked vision swallowing the gum yeah, yeah, the little cut to the little cartoon. That's kind of funny. Literally gumming up his works. It's a cute little gag. Yeah, he's, he's like drunk because of it. Yeah, I thought that was really yeah, funny. Yeah, yeah. The whole, I did like and the that. magic show thing. I think all really worked for me really well. Yeah, and then like the piano gets turned into like a cardboard. That's like their magic show. The piano gets turned into like a cardboard cutout or whatever. And the guy in the audience is like, "That's my mother's piano." I, I thought that really <laughs> cracked me up. I thought that was really funny. Yeah. Um, what other joke landed? I thought the the single versus married woman murder victim joke was was funny because like it's a very mm. sitcommy trope, you know. Like someone tells you a joke and it's like inappropriate, and like you go to like some super awkward dinner, and then like there's like a lull in the conversation, so you say that really inappropriate joke that you just heard a while back. You know, that's a very classic like sitcom trope, and I thought I thought they delivered that quite well i i really like that um and then like the another sitcom trope is like the the character that's always announced but never actually seen right mm. and it's like her husband her husband is it randy something like that agnes's husband right yeah like her husband it's like oh my my husband this my husband that but we never actually see her husband so like i think i think yeah there's a lot of like funny things that if you are like a fan of sitcoms you kind of recognize and see but I still think there's more meaning. Like, the fact that she keeps bringing up her husband seems kind of important, especially because I feel like she's a character to watch. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see if this husband shows up eventually. When it comes to, like, discussion, Amir, I think you're right. There's not really that much to talk about. A lot of speculation, a lot of fun Easter eggs, and, like, a lot of sitcom-y fun in these two episodes, but like we're we're still like waiting a far cry away from like yeah, waiting for the meat. And so, just full disclosure, I've actually seen the third episode, and we do get a little more meat in the next one, and and a big name drop in in the next one too. That uh, a name we haven't heard in a very very long time. I think people are going to be surprised. So nice, but yeah, I mean, I I like this. It's it's. Mm-hmm. fun it's inventive it's something that marvel doesn't do that often and you know i think marvel is it's at its best when it's trying to like think outside the box and like outside the superhero genre conventions you know like i think the winter soldier was great because partly it was a, like a political conspiracy thriller thor ragnarok was like kind of like a crazy sci-fi buddy cop movie when it kind of like colors outside the lines a little, I think it's I think it's great, and I think here it's doing that more than it's ever done. And I'm just curious to see where it goes. I, I think yeah, this might be tapping into some MCU potential that we we haven't experienced yet. So, can I dive into a little bit of speculation? Sure. 
<laughs> so I think a lot of this comes from the second episode. So like at the very top of the episode, the bit is like they keep hearing this noise in the outside, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it gets played off as like it's just the trees hitting the window mm-hmm. or the tree branches hitting the window. But if you actually listen very closely, it actually sounds like gunfire mm. and almost like laser shots. Like my theory is that it's it's people trying to get in to the whatever like Wanda I think has created around her. And then right before, you know, right before she finds that helicopter, she hears another loud bang. She finds the helicopter, right? Mm, right, and yeah. my theory is that that's what that bang was, right? The helicopter actually gets into whatever one is created and, and for some reason gets changed into a toy. But I think that's how Tiona Paris's character gets into the bubble, right? Because oh. then we quickly meet her right after and she's like, I don't know how I got here. Oh, interesting. Like, oh, what right, I'm right, doing right, here. Right. Geraldine, or right? Uh, Monica Rambeau. Geraldine, right? But then we'll, we'll find out later. I mean, this is kind of a spoiler. We'll find out later she is Monica Rambeau, which is, you know, uh, an important character in, like, Marvel Marvel history. Um, so, like, I think that's how her character is, gets there. My speculation, actually, is that I think a, a lot of these town members are probably sword agents that have just gotten sucked, sucked into, into this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and like my far out right speculation that I have no grounds to to make, but I would just love to see, just because I would love to see um, uh, Emma Caulfield have like a bigger role within the MCU. Mm, I do like Emma Caulfield, so so like she seems to be like they call her the head queen of the cul-de-sac. So she seems like she's someone in charge. So if my theory works out that these are shield agents or sword agents, I would love her to be Abigail Brand. Oh, okay. Actually, Mm. right, and she could have a bigger role in the MCU, and we get to see more of her. Like that would be my like wish, wishful fantasy of her character. I don't know if any of this is going to play out, but that's just what I would like to see. Yeah, man, I'm impressed. Abigail Brand is a deep cut there. That's I like this, dude. This is the return of like speculating Derek from the Watchmen days. Like you're just going (laughs) all out. I love these shows where I can speculate, where it could just, it's most, most of the time it's wrong, but I just love this. This is very high level Derek right here. (laughs) Now, now I want to see it too, because I love Abigail brand as a character. And like, you know, she's like a Joss Whedon creation from astonishing Mm -hmm. X-Men actually, you know, like, you know, the the break world arc, you know, I, I love, I love that whole arc. Because yeah, I mean, shit. from my understanding, yeah. like Sword is a creation of Joss Whedon. It is right. Yeah. You got Anya from another Josh. Come on, it's it. It all has to coalesce to this. Right? <laughs> she has to. Be. Come on. Oh man! Wow. <laughs> I'm just calling it now. If uh, we'll, we'll just. I'm just gonna say it. It sucks when you come up with something cooler than what they actually end up doing. That's all. I'm that's, the, that's, that's all I'm gonna say. That. But yes, that that's my speculation, and that's uh, I that's my wishful thinking. I have no, there's no big like more grounds than just kind of what I've seen in the first two episodes. So let, let's hope, let's hope that she turns out. <laughs> this to is going to be a weekly segment, man. Derek's speculation corner. I love it. This is <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. so much deeper yeah, even, than I even ever if went we with don't the show. Continue to this to, to this series. Well, uh, I'll just have a speculation after like every couple of episodes, and we'll see if yeah, uh, we'll check we'll check back in. We'll out. check back in. <laughs> We'll check back into my speculation corner in a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, if there's, I guess there's nothing else. I think that will kind of conclude this week's episode. Yeah. There's nothing else no, you guys want to I'm, say, right? I'm good. That's it for me. Covered a lot of ground. Yeah. 
a lot more ground than I thought there was to cover. So yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that will conclude this week's episode. Uh, Jeff, where can people find you? You can find me on my blog at strangeharbors.com. And you can also find me on Instagram and Twitter at Strange Harbors. What about you guys? Um, you can find me on the internet. Um, what about you, Derek? You can find me at The Wrong Day, Dake spelled D-A-Y-I-K, and that's for Instagram and Twitter. But if you like this podcast, the easiest way to support our podcast is to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any of the other popular podcast apps. Uh, if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please do us a favor and give us a great star rating. It really helps to get our podcast out to so many more people. Yeah, and if you guys have any questions, comments, suggestions, Easter eggs that we might have missed in these first two episodes of WandaVision, any corrections that you would like to make or anything like that, please shoot us an email at jeff at strangeharbors.com. We love reading uh, listener mail, and sometimes we even read it out on the pod. So feel free to shoot us a line. In that case, we will see you guys next week. All right, see you next week, everybody. See you guys then.